If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to the book of Psalms. I want you to turn to Psalm uh, 37. We'll be there in a, a minute or two. Um, as Pastor Trent had mentioned, we're, we're working our way this summer through a series called the Fruitology, the study of, of the fruit of the Spirit, um, trying to, to learn, to understand, or come to a deeper understanding of of what it means to, to live an organic or real, authentic life in the Spirit. And these are the, these are the verses that we're kind of drawing the series from, from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law, no limit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Well, these, I've been looking at this list, it's kind of been in front of me for months now, and, and I've noticed a few things about the, this particular list, and I try to share a little bit about the, the group of the fruit of the Spirit um, each weekend. And, and this week, what I wanted you to notice uh, was that there's kind of a, there's a pattern to these nine characteristics that, that I see here. And, and it, I think Paul, maybe he did this intentionally, maybe it's just, you know, some scholar staring at the same text for long enough. Maybe I'm reading it. I don't think so. I, I think Paul puts these in like three categories, the way that he, he lays them out. And, and the first three, love, joy, and peace, if, if you think about them, these are, I mean, these, this is the work, this is the grace of God who gives us love. God is love. And so these are like inner dispositions, like a foundation that we have love and joy and peace. And, and then there's the, there's the second three, patience and kindness and goodness. And as I thought about this second set of three, they, it seems to me that they're all areas for uh, personal growth in our lives. As love and joy and peace um, take root and develop and start to bear that fruit in our lives, I think we grow in the areas of patience and kindness and, and goodness. And then there's this last set of three, which is faithfulness and gentleness and, and self-control. And I think the last set are all ways that we learn to interact with other people. And so as we get to today's message, we step into the second set. And Pastor Trent gave it away. We're, we're talking about patience today. And I had a few people who, you know, they looked at the back of their core guide when we first published the order and like, oh, yeah, I can miss this week and this week. And, and patience is one of those, you know. It's like, oh, really? Do we, do we really have to take a serving of patience? This is not one of those topics that we want to talk about much. I mean, patience is boring. 
Patience is, well, restrictive, right? Patience is, it's too demanding, and it's no fun. I don't like patience. Let's just get after it. I thought about, you know, preaching for like 90 minutes today. (laughs) I know some of you would be really thrilled. But you'll just have to wait for it. Parents who are here, uh, you know that it's by the sheer grace of God and that little bit of patience that we can muster up that we still have our kids. We're able, right? I, I saw a bumper sticker this week. I think it nails, I think this nails parenting patience to a T. It said, patience is what we have when there are too many witnesses. <laughs> right? Amen to that. So, whenever I set out to preach on, well, pretty much any week, but when there's like a particular topic of, you know, patience or anger or, you know, one of those things, I, I find that my week is filled with opportunities to practice what I'm going to preach about. Just, you know, it's a... I guess that's what I have to deal with doing this particular line of work, but it helps me sink into the the whole groove of what we're trying to talk about here. So this week, I spent a couple hours fishing with a a friend, and I said fishing. There was no catching. Uh, And I was telling him about this particular phenomenon, that whenever I preach about something, I get the opportunity to practice it. And and his question to me was, why are you preaching on patience then? Why don't you preach on fish catching? <laughs> so, next Sunday morning, show up and... <laughs> I'm, te- I'm teasing. So what is patience? How do we define this word? Well, there, there's lots of ways to do that. But the, the Greek word that Paul uses in, in his list here is macrothumia. And it's, a, it's two words that are smashed together... The first word, macro, in this case, it means long, long. And uh, thumia is anger, long anger. Not you get angry and you stay that way for a long time. It's more like long suffering. It's endurance. It's constancy. It's steadfastness. It's forbearance. It's enduring another's exasperating behavior without losing it. That's patience. It means having a long fuse. You've heard that term before, right? They had a long fuse. And are people who are characterized by being slow to anger. Patience. Patience is being the one who sets the temperature at the room instead of reflecting the temperature of everybody else around them. It's holding back. It's demonstrating a restraint, um, not becoming quickly upset or speaking sharply or angrily to someone who is annoying us at the time. Patience. Our patience, as God grows this in our life, our patience is a reflection of his patience for us. It's It's enduring wrong without demanding vengeance or revenge. But it's not passive. 
Don't get that in your mind. It's not passive. Patience quietly and fairly works for change with sensitivity to other people's needs. That's patience. So are, are, you, a, are you a patient person? I mean, you think about it. Generally, are, are you a patient person? This would be yes. This would be no. It's okay. It's a safe place here. Except it's on video. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So, you can answer the question for yourself, but if I were to go to your spouse, or to your kids, or to your coworkers, or to a best friend, or, or a teacher, and I ask them, is so-and-so a patient person, what would they tell me? Would they say yes? Would they say no? Would they, you know, make another box to check that says, well, maybe, or it depends? Well, of course, we talk about patience. We have to talk about the opposite of patience for a little bit as well to get a true picture um, and figure out a way to move from impatience, which is the opposite, to patience. And so impatience obviously would be having a short fuse, uh, being explosive. Instead of being slow to get angry, we would get agitated very easily. And the root cause of most of our impatience is narcissism, selfishness. We want our way, and we want our way right now. Um, my cat is not a patient cat. He demands to be fed at 4.30 every morning. I, don't need to, I do not need to set an alarm clock. Now, I will not get up and feed the cat at 4.30. He eats at 7 o'clock. But between 4.30 and 7, there is no shortage of signs of his impatience. So there, there's a, there is a cartoon, cartoonist who, he does these, like, pencil sketches, and he turns them into these little mini-movies, and they're called Simon's Cat. Could very well be Dave's cat. And so I, I brought one clip. Chris, could you go ahead and play? This, this is like a picture of impatience in my cat.
That cat, that cat's name is Scooter, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the picture of impatience right there. That happens in our house every day. And I thought, you know, when you go out in the world, if you go out on the roads, if you go to the shopping mall, if you go to Walmart, wherever you go, there are plenty of striking examples of impatience where people just seem to be wound up so tightly these days that any little thing seems to set people off. So I thought it would be a kind of a fun, you know, lighthearted way of getting this picture of impatience in our mind. And as we, as we talk about fruitology, organic life in the spirit, as we age as Christians in our spiritual maturity, see what's supposed to happen when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, is that our fuses are supposed to continually be getting longer. And when we, yet when we interact with the world, sometimes we see the opposite, that we get impatient. And sometimes we get angry when we get impatient. And it's just this gnawing, stirring in our souls and and if we let that go unchecked in our life, it's going to lead us to sin. Um, so as, as I've been thinking about patience and impatience this week, especially impatience this week, uh, th- there are a few things that I have noticed on why we get all worked up. And I've put them into some categories. I put them into three categories. And there's certainly more, but these are three I wanted to share with you today. And these are things that, that I've observed in myself and things that I've observed in, in other people. And the first bucket, if you will, the first category is we live in a world that, that just demands instant gratification. I mean, nothing, absolutely nothing is fast enough for us anymore. We live in this culture that demands everything right now, immediately, and, and we don't want waiting for anything. In fact, we'll go to long links and we'll spend lots of dollars to ensure that when we order something, that it gets here the same or the next day. Or that when we go to fun parks, that we can buy the fast pass and we can cut to the front of the line. Or, you know, there's all sorts of ways that the world continually streamlines the speed at which we acquire things. And so we live in this world of instant gratification, and it's just a vicious cycle. Because once we get to a certain level of speed, well, if there's any slight delay, then we just get upset and angry. I mean, think about your internet speed. When it goes to that little dot, 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 buffering, I mean, how long do you sit on that screen before you, ah, I'm out of here. I can't wait for that. Or you go to some company's website and a couple of the pictures take too long to download. I mean, are you starting to talk to your screen? And lots of people do. There, there's a guy, um, he is a computer science professor at the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. And And he did this study where he examined the online viewing habits of 6.7 million people. And um, I don't know how he did this. I'm curious about that. But this, this, this is a big sample of people. And he was trying to figure out how long are we patient when it comes to online. And he, he figured out it was two seconds. We're patient for two seconds. If something doesn't load in two seconds or we don't get an answer in two seconds, we move on to the next page. 
After five seconds, 25% of these viewers were, had abandoned. After 10 seconds, over 50%. And so this just gives you this picture of this instant gratification that, that we've been given in our culture. I mean, if you think about the technology that we have, it is absolutely astounding and amazing and incredible and fantastic. But it's, it is making it harder and harder for us to be patient people. It's growing impatience in us. I mean, I was, the last time that I took a flight, um, there was a guy who was just going off on the flight attendant because... I mean, think about this. He is traveling at 600 miles an hour, getting to where he's going in a jet. And he's complaining that the Wi-Fi was down on the plane. <clears throat> That's a picture of the culture we live in. And so there's this, um, one of the buckets, I think, is this, we want it right now. And if we don't get it right now, then we start to get angry. The second bucket is um, when we feel stressed out when we feel the weight of the world pressing in. And our culture is based on time and efficiency and productivity, and, and that creates a lot of pressure and longer working hours and so forth. And so when we feel stressed out, uh, our tempers get a little bit shorter. Um, when we try and pack too much into a day, you know, we just live on edge because if we don't get everything done or we don't get around to it or we just don't feel like we're, we're doing what we should be doing, whether it's our expectation or somebody else's, then our, 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 our tempers get shorter. Our fuses get shorter instead of getting longer. And then the third bucket that I was thinking about were when other people inconvenience us. Hmm. Yeah, I'm guilty of that once in a while. And it, 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 it sounds kind of like this. I get impatient when you slow me down. You ever thought that about somebody else? That you're imp you just feel your blood pressure increase. You're, you're, you, know, you start to feel angry a little bit. You, you definitely feel a little bit impatient when other people slow you down. When, when you go to a store and, and all of the checkout lines are really long, and you're in a hurry to get somewhere. Well, why are all these people here right now? When you're driving to work and you leave your house 10 minutes late, and so you have to navigate traffic as quickly as you can, and, and something's blocking traffic, or somebody's you know, in the left-hand lane going 25 and slowing you down, be honest, you get a little impatient. It could be... Um, when other people don't understand what you're trying to say to them? Well, you should understand exactly what I'm saying. And because you don't, I'm, I'm going to get a little impatient. Maybe other people don't do things exactly the way that you want to have them done. And you get a little impatient. Am I getting these buckets right? I think so. This is my observation of myself and, and others. And when, when we think about it, um, all these things are just totally selfish. All of these things lead us to only think about our own feelings and how other people are inconven inconveniencing us or other things are getting in our way or, you know, we're not getting what we want fast enough. It's, it, the baseline is, the root is, is selfishness. 
And patience is a quality that's, that's referenced over and over and over in the Bible. I think it's mentioned a lot because patience isn't something that comes naturally to us. We're impatient because we only want to consider our point of view. It's much easier to, to define patience than it is to put it into practice. That's why I think Paul says, fruit of the Spirit. It's a work of the Spirit. It's only by the grace of God that we can develop this quality in our life. The Spirit helps us, enables us to be long-tempered when we would normally want to respond by being short-tempered. I mean, patience means giving other people a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, and so on. It means giving people the benefit of the doubt, just like when sometimes we want to have the benefit of the doubt given to us, that patience means that, that we extend that to other people. The, the Bible is a, it's really a book of waiting, if you think about it. People waited in slavery. They waited for a Messiah. The Messiah came. Some people noticed. Many people didn't. Jesus came. He, he died. He's ascended to heaven. And, and now, you know, the, a lot of the New Testament talks about this time in between when Jesus was here on earth and, and when he will come again. And we're in a time of waiting. So this is really a book about waiting. We're like Noah, who he waited for rain for a long time while he was building the ark. Then it started raining, and he waited for the rain to stop. Waited for the waters to recede. I think Lewis County, we understand that one, right? <laughs> then but we're like Abraham, too, waiting for decades. God had promised his ancestors to be numerous like the stars. But to do that, you have to have, you have, to have kids. Abraham said, there are no kids. God promised this. They had to wait decades before their son was born. We're like Moses and the Israelites, waiting and wandering in the desert. 40 years wandering around in the desert, waiting, waiting to get into the promised land. And we know that Moses didn't even make it into the promised land because, you know, he had a few moments, one of them in particular, where he got really impatient with the people and he whacked this rock with a stick to get water to come out just to satisfy their needs. And that kept him out of the promised land. But the people had to wait. We're like David, who waited years. Many of these years were on the run and in hiding, you know, after he was anointed the king of Israel, he had to wait to take the throne and he's the psalmist, and we wait like him, and, and he beckons us to be still before the Lord. We're like Elijah, waiting for God's voice, expecting it in sometimes the wrong places. We're like the prodigal son, disbelieving that our father waits patiently for us to come home. We're kind of like the disciples. After Jesus left, they were huddled in that upper room, waiting 
fearfully yet expectantly for Jesus to return. See, at the heart of patience is this ability to wait. And we don't like waiting much. But waiting is a big part of our life. You know, I usually think of myself as a pretty patient person, someone who has a fairly long fuse. Um, but this week I've just wondered if sometimes my, so I wonder if sometimes I just pretend to be patient. And what I mean by that is, you know, in an effort to be peaceable and to treat other people fairly and respectfully and with love, I think sometimes there are things that you don't say or aren't worth saying. Opinions that maybe you just hold in check. Anger that you don't let out. And so I, I, think, I think, don't hear me wrong, I think that is a good way to improve relations with other people. But why I wonder if my patience is kind of pretend is that while it might appear that I'm being patient, I'm harboring all of these negative thoughts and anger inside. And to me, patience seems like a disposition of the soul, a work that the Holy Spirit does in us so that that initial response of anger may be less and less over time. And so that's what I've been thinking about in honest moments this week. Patience isn't all about waiting. Some of it's about waiting. But I think patience is it's about how we think and how we act while we're waiting. Or, or maybe we could say it this way that Patience is more about what God does in us while we wait than it is about what we're waiting for. And we get some good counsel in the text that I wanted to look at this morning. It's in Psalm chapter 37. The psalmist writes, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. I think that there's some help for us as we chart a course or try and figure out how do we move from this impatience that we might feel on occasion to patience, this fruit that the Spirit does or grows in us. In verse 7, it starts off, be still and wait patiently in the Lord. So I think we need to slow down. Slow down. Developing patience begins with trusting and waiting on the Lord. And part of, part of waiting on the Lord, part of trusting in Him is to enter into a, a, a relationship with Him by admitting that, that we can't do this on our own and asking him to, to come and to help us and to, to be our savior and you know he, he's powerful enough 
to transform us and to change us and to do this work in us. And he promises us the gift of the Holy Spirit who, who comes and, and is our advocate and walks alongside us and encourages us and, and guides our steps and gives us strength. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that when anyone who is in Christ is a, not a new creation, is new creation. The old has gone and, and the new has come. The new creation, the new kingdom, the new order exists when we come to Christ. And our old way, we can leave behind. And that's a work of the Spirit in our life. So let's slow down, be still, and wait patiently on the Lord. There's one story that, that comes to mind. It's, it's in the Gospels in, in Luke uh, chapter 10. This is one, it's just a few verses. And Jesus is traveling around with his disciples. And they come to this home of Mary and Martha. And this is how Luke records it. He says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, it says him, which sounds like singular, but Jesus traveled with 12 guys, right? So when Martha opened her home to him, this wasn't a party of one. This was seating for 13. Food for 13 hungry guys who have been walking around um, doing work. And so there's this whole entourage that enters into her, into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So Jesus, the disciples come in. She's invited them in. Um, hospitality meant food and so forth. And, and so she's, we'll get to this in a second, but she's busying herself with all of the arrangements while Jesus is, and the guys are waiting, Jesus starts to talk and, and to teach and continue that conversation. And Mary, well, she just sits down. This is good stuff. I need to hear this. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Wow, all that stuff. I need to be productive. I need to be efficient. I need to get this meal cooked up and served. So I think she grew a wee bit impatient with Mary. Man, look at her just sitting over there. She doesn't care at all about what I'm doing. If she just had a half a thought, she would just see all the work that I'm doing and all the stuff that has to get done, and she would come over here and offer up to help. Mary didn't do that. Martha got a little bit ticked off. So instead of Martha going to Mary and saying, hey, this is good and all, but can you come, can you come help me out in the kitchen for a little bit? We've got to serve all this stuff up. No, she goes to Jesus. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Can you hear the tone in her voice? And this is how our patient Lord, Jesus, responds. I imagine the warmth and the gentleness in his voice. Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and upset, impatient, you could say, about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Hmm. Now, did Jesus just say that what Martha was working on was wrong? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say the productivity and the need to do all of that work was wrong or sinful. He, he redirected Martha's focus to the one important thing, that sometimes in life we get distracted it gets put upon us that all of these things are really important. What we've got going on in the moment is the most important thing. And Jesus redirects our focus back and he says, you know what, that's not the most, it's not an unimportant thing, but the most important thing isn't what you're busying yourself with right now. Slow down. Be still. It's in the stillness that we confront whatever our hurries conceal. Hur hurry creates and thrives on spiritual noise. Hurry protects us from noticing how rarely we address the real struggle struggles of our lives. So we distract ourselves with all the busy, all the things that we need to get done, and that distracts our focus from maybe some of the real issues that that we're dealing with in our own personal life and, and out there in society. So th there's a growing homeless issue, homelessness issue, not just in, in our county, but in other adjacent counties. And let me just say that many people are very quick to point out that there's a problem. But many of those people are so distracted with what they have going on that it's somebody else should do something about it. And so we're quick to point out things like this, and maybe we're just a little bit slow to come up with solutions. I mean, we could go through a long list of things that we notice about our culture, about our society, about our community, about our church, about our family, about our workplace. But sometimes our hurriedness, what we think we need to get done with our time, distracts us from addressing some of the root cause things. So for those who find themselves held captive by the false pride of hurry, those who think that always being in a rush is a sign that what we have going on is the most important thing, I think we need to remember that Jesus stands among those who have no choice but to wait. He stands with the hungry. He stands with those who are ill. He stands with those who are imprisoned, with those who mourn. He stands with those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So maybe one of the things that we need to do to move from impatience to patience is to slow down, to pause from our daily grind and hang out with Jesus for a bit, just like Mary. I know we live in a Martha world that wants to get everything done, and it's all about money and efficiency and productivity, but slow down. 
Slow down. So what does slowing down look like? That's usually the question that I get. Slowing down looks like pausing for quiet time and prayer. We say it's a good idea, but slow down enough to actually do it. Take a cue from Mary and sit at Jesus' feet and soak up his presence. Ask Jesus to help you grow in patience. Slowing down looks like reframing your perspective. Try this one out. I know a bunch of you are going to groan, but try practicing things that make you see things differently. So the next time you go to Walmart or Costco or anywhere else, so there's like always a long line, get into the longest line. And get into, intentionally go to the longest line, and you know what? It's going to take you five minutes longer. Most of us rush around in our day and say, I don't have five minutes for anything. Well, why don't you slow down enough to stand through the longest line and pray or just be quiet, breathe in and out deeply. Maybe strike up a conversation with somebody else in line and try and be an encouragement to them. Start to reframe your perspective. Another way to slow down what it looks like is to, to plan some margin in your life. And what I mean by that is to regularly detach yourself from the pace and the flow of this world. I mean, you could as easily translate verse 7 in our text um, as rest in the Lord. So be better about taking your day off. Be better about resting and practicing Sabbath. Leave room for unplanned things and interruptions in your schedule. Plan time to connect with your family and your church family. That's why I keep talking about core groups, and there's such a high priority that I put on this is because it, it is important that we plan this time into our schedules to slow down, to pause and pray and study and fellowship with one another. Some of, the, some of the most winsome people in the world are the ones who make you feel like they're never in a hurry. That they have all of the time in the world to spend with you in that particular moment. Slow down. I know it's really difficult. And remember that it's the Spirit's work in us. The other thing you can do from move from impatience towards patience is to to not fret. Do not fret. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not fear. David tells us not to worry or be anxious about what, are, what others, wicked people, evil people, are doing and succeeding at. He says, don't fret about that kind of thing. Now, listen and read really carefully here. He is not saying that you can't be concerned about what's going on, about what other people are doing, about the, the direction that society seems to be going. He doesn't say don't be concerned about it. He says don't fret about it. You can work in society to bring about positive change that reflects biblical principles. What he's saying when he says don't fret is that look at the situation in light of God's eternity and the promises that at one day he will come and he will make everything right. He's already won. We are victorious, so we do need not fret 
when society seems to be falling around us, don't worry, don't fret, don't get impatient. You can be rightfully concerned and you can work at that, but you need not fret. David, uh, maybe a more modern translation, if David was here and he was writing this, he'd probably just tell us to chill out. Chill out, folks. It's going to be okay. God will make it all right. And then in verse 8, moving from impatience towards patience, we've got to get around to this at some point. He says, refrain from anger. Refrain from anger and turn from your wrath. The Hebrew word for fret literally means do not let yourself be kindled. Do not let yourself to be lit on fire. Do not uh, start to glow with heat, to become hot coals, to burn with anger. And anger, we know, is this very physical emotion and your adrenaline starts pumping and your blood pressure rises and your muscles get all tense and tight and your face might get red and your nostrils start to flare and you just get angry. And when we lose our patience and we get angry, it leads us into sin as well. And sometimes, sometimes it's a very visible way where, you know, our rage just comes out and we yell at people or our, we yell at our computer screens or our pets or whatever it is. We just get angry and somebody's going to pay the price for slowing me down. It's visible rage. It's aggressive behavior. Um, it's fists through walls. It's cutting people off in traffic. Uh, you know, when people make you mad, Tim Hawkins would say, it's like showing people your tall finger. You know, that kind, that, kind of, that kind of anger. It's visible. But then there's another deadly kind of anger. It's invisible. It's when we bottle it up inside. And we just, the boiling point starts to rise inside us and we hold it all in. It turns and crystallizes and hardens into resentment and bitterness, and we just start to have a negative outlook on life. So whether it's, whether it's visible anger where somebody else is, is hurt, or it's invisible internal kind of anger where it, you know, it's damage that we're doing to our own souls, in either case, life is destroyed. David says to turn from your anger when you find yourself growing impatient. Why? Because it leads us into sin, into evil ways. Don't let your frustration poison you, your thoughts, or provoke you to rage. Instead, Paul, over in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, he says, clothe yourselves with patience. It's on the list. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. I use this one at weddings and in marriage counseling all the time. These are critical verses for us to learn. And then Paul writes in the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, he describes love. In the, the 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the very first description that he gives of love, he says, love is patient, right? Love can't exist without patience. We are all imperfect people, and without, without patience, there is no love. Without patience, there is no community. Without patience, there is no friendship. 
patience allows us to overcome our selfishness so we can actually care about somebody else. It all begins with God. His self-description, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, God says that he is compassionate and merciful. He is slow to anger. He is patient, full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And the word picture for slow to anger, this is one of my favorite word pictures in all of the Bible. The picture of slow to anger is somebody who has a long nose. Because when the heat, when the rage boils up inside of us, it has to travel a long way before it comes snorting out. It's kind of like an exhaust pipe, that it has a long time to cool down before it comes out. Slow to anger. So don't you love this picture? God has a long nose. You want to know what God looks like? Well, he's got a long, he's got a gigantic schnoz. And the teaching is that as his followers, as the Spirit does his work on us, that we would be people whose noses are growing. As we develop patience, we, you know, not like Pinocchio, we've got to come up with a different name for this one. But we are people whose noses are growing so that when we get impatient, we can process it, and there's a long way before the anger comes. We are slow to anger. So let me ask you, is your nose growing? My prayer is that we would be people with long noses, readily identifiable as the people of God. And I want you to remember that developing the fruit of the Spirit is it's not something that we try harder to do. There's work in it for us in the cultivating process, but this is, this is God growing and doing this work in us. He, will, he promises to do his part. What we need to do is stay connected to the vine, to remain in Jesus so that the fruit, so that his life will, will pass through that vine and into us and, and we can grow. And Paul says, you know, you can count on it. He wrote to the Philippian church, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Isaiah, way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah 40, 31. Those who hope in the Lord, or you could say, those who wait on the Lord, or those who grow in patience will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and they won't grow weary. They will walk and not be faint people of God said. Amen. Amen. Would you stand for prayer?